Today, we're going to talk about how the Florida Gators will generate their pass rush this season, who's going to fill that gadget role on the offense, and we'll wrap up by talking about Colin Castleton's NBA future, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Thursday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. Before getting into the content, once again, just going to ask that y'all like and subscribe wherever you're listening. Leave a comment, leave a review. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know how I can make it better. I got a few comments yesterday, so appreciate you. But we're going to get into today's content now where we're talking about this Florida Gators pass rush because that's something that I've been, you know, not not that I've been um, not confident in it, but I will say that the edge rush is what I'm not super confident in. But I think the pass rush is going to be fine. Uh, the edge rush might be a little concerning, but I think overall pass rush is going to be fine. Obviously, we don't know what this defense is going to do exactly. We know what Patrick Tony did at Louisiana. We know that Sean Spencer is going to work with these def- with the defensive linemen, their co-defensive coordinators, of course. We do know that Patrick Tony will send the occasional off-ball rusher. I want to say 20% of the time probably will get an occasional off-ball rusher, maybe a little higher depending on if it's a blitz or if it's creepers because we know that we're going to talk about that a lot. And if you forgot, creepers is essentially four down linemen, however many linebackers behind him. One of the linemen drop back into coverage and a non-traditional rusher comes in. You're still just rushing force. It's not really a blitz, but it is a uh, an unorthodox pass rush method that Patrick Tony likes to do. There's also sim pressure where we're going to show blitz and then not blitz. But of course, that doesn't mean every time we show blitz, there isn't a blitz. There will obviously be times where the Florida Gators show blitz and rush. But I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the front four first. That's what I want to talk about because at Buck we've got Brenton Cox Jr. You know he's. He's one of the better pass rushers in all of college football. He's a beast when he's on. He acknowledges, too, that you know he took some plays off last year, and, and that can't happen. Um, I get it. Now he's fully healthy. Now he's ready to go. But you know this is your future on the line more than anything. And more than just this college football season for the Florida Gators, this is your future on the line because this is your last season before going pro. So NFL teams aren't going to want to see you take off plays. You look at three tech is going to be Javon Dexter. He's going to be our pass rushing defensive tackle. The other edge spot is going to be likely Princely Woman Meelan or Chief Borders. Those those are my predictions there. Maybe Lloyd Summerall there. That that's also fine. Uh, and then at nose tackle, the other defensive tackle spot, we're going to see Jalen Lee, maybe Desmond Watson, one of those guys, one of those big run stopping defensive tackles. That's a, one of the uh, I guess you can call them space eaters. Would be one way. One way to uh, talk about them, because that's really what they're going to be doing most of the time. That's something that's going to be a big part of their game. They're not going to be asked to rush the passer much, but you've got Brenton Cox on one side. And I do think it's important to say, I think Brenton Cox will be at one end and Javon Dexter will be at the opposite side of the line as a defensive tackle, just because I think generating pass rush from multiple spots is better than generating them from the same side, because then an O-line can just shift. Whereas if you've got to worry about specific linemen coming from different sides, that's going to be uh, that's going to be something that you've really got to get concerned with. 
Sub packages will likely look something like Brenton Cox Jr. at one end, uh, Chief Borders at another end, or Lloyd Summerall at another end. Javon Dexter and Prince Liam and Mealing playing the D tackle spots. I think that's going to be something we see. It's going to be pretty similar to when the New York Giants used to run that little NASCAR package that that has gone through the NFL now. Uh, but I think that's going to be something that we'll see maybe at, at certain points. As for off-ball rushers, we'll see occasionally off-ball rushers rush the passer. And I think whether it's often or rare, the guys who are really going to see do that are going to be Dewan Black, uh, Shamar James, and Trey Dean are people that, that immediately come to mind when I think about it. Trey Dean, of course, is going to be blitzing from that slot corner box safety role. He's going to be working in the box a lot, I think, this season. So that's going to be something we see. Uh, that, that I, th- I think that him as a pass rusher is going to be something that we will talk about uh, Derwin Black and Shamar James are going to line up off the ball in that off ball linebacker spot. They're going to be probably opposite on the field as a Ventrell Miller or maybe Amari Bernie. They're going to be on opposite sides there, but they will be the off ball linebackers. And I think that we'll see them when we talk about creepers that we'll see them rush that a gap or rush the B gap and kind of time their blitzes up. And I think it's going to be Derwin James and Shamar, Derwin Black and Shamar James, maybe even Derek Wingo. I think we'll see them more because I think they've got that first step, that 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 first quick twitch there. That uh, you know, you look at uh, Jared Davis, who obviously was a Florida Gator linebacker. He's now been through a few teams in the NFL, and he's a very good a gap rusher because of his timing. He just gets that quick. The go. He he just lets it go. Once he wants to go, he just flips that switch and he gets going. He's got a great first step there. And that's a big thing for him. And I think we're gonna see that with guys like Derwin Black, guys like Shamar James, who, yeah, you might not be this this great uh block shedding guy, but if you can get them while they're not ready and get them off off balance, I'll say, that's going to be big in terms of finding that interior pass rush success. When we talk about creepers, so I think Trey Dean is going to be there uh, coming off the edge, of course, as a box safety or a slot corner. Uh, Dewan Black and Shamar James, they're going to be the, I think, primary like interior off ball rushers. Like that, that's going to be a thing that we have to worry about. And I think that they are athletic enough and good enough against the run or will be good enough against the run to kind of allow themselves to be on the field at all times and, and or not all times, but be on the field often and kind of figure out ways that they're going to get in the backfield and be these chess pieces. Uh, Derek Wingo, like I said, is another name. Like we saw him, he rushed the passer on 14% of his pass defense snaps last year. So it's something that he did and that he did pretty well also. So I think that if Derek Wingo can get on the field more, that's going to be a thing. And I think that's going to be one of the ways that he will get on the field more because again, when you look at this, defense being a you don't have to be a great pass rusher that's not what i'm talking about but to be able to time up your blitz properly is going to get you on the field because you're going to make plays you're going to find success so Derek wingo dewan black shamar james are all three off-ball linebackers that i think are really going to contribute trading is going to be a db that's going to contribute to the pass rush and just as a pass rush in general the front four i i i like what they can do i like having Brenton cox jr i like having javon dexter my hesitancy, though, is that pretty much everyone after that has never been a full-time player on a defense. So that's where I'm really like, I don't I don't know what they're going to do exactly and how they're going to find that success exactly or how they're going to perform consistently with a bigger playing time. But I'm excited for it. I think we've got enough depth right now at, at that nose and that edge spot where it's like, well, whoever, someone will step up. Someone will separate themselves from the pack. 
and we'll 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 figure it out as we get closer to the season and you know we'll uh we'll have that answer before it before fall time and i'm going to talk to you guys about the offensive side of the ball for the florida gators but first it's time to talk about athletic greens because our next partner has a product that i use literally every day i started taking athletic greens because while i've been trying to eat healthier it's hard sometimes to eat healthy work out still get all the vitamins and nutrients that i need while working all day and right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition especially heading into flu and cold season and then it's just going to be a mess it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day and that's it no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Anybody else participate in March Madness and just get obliterated this year because I did, and I, you know what? I'm looking forward to it because there, there's one last big hurrah for March Madness where I'm sure I'm just going to get demolished in every, every game that I pick. Sad Heroes, NCAA single game pickums, though. They pit star players against each other, and I, I think that's the best way to go. It's a, it's a hybrid of fantasy and sports gambling. Stat Hero gives you the advantage. Their winners win, or their gamers win four times more often because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery of who or what you're going against. You sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on using promo code locked on L O C K E D O N for a 100% deposit match. Terms and conditions may apply. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We're going to talk now about a, a role on the offense that I've spoken about quite a bit. That, that gadget player is what you can call him. I've spoken a lot about Billy Napier wanting to have that type of player that, that goes in motion frequently. Whether or not they get the handoff, they're going to go in motion across the formation frequently. And I think that, you know, you look at Louisiana, he the ball to that. I think it'll be a little bit different. I, I, I think in Florida, we're going to see some more handoffs there because you're playing at a higher level. You've got better athletes most of the time. You've got a better athlete when you're coming from the belt to the SEC. So you, you got those athletes, you got the players, and you got to be a little trickier, I want to say. Well, I wanna, that's a phrase I'm going to use. You got to be trickier in the SEC. So that's what we're going to look at. We're going to talk about some of the candidates to be that gadget type, that guy that goes in motion, takes a handoff, doesn't take a handoff, takes a screen, doesn't take a handoff, fakes a screen, runs a wheel up the field. We're, we're going to talk about that guy that does everything. And I, I want to talk about quickly, though, that I hate that gadget is thought of a a negative. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big college football fan. We see it more frequently in college football. But you look at a guy like Kadarius Tony, who it's, it's easy to relate that with Gators fans, where Pre-draft, the the boomers of draft media were like, oh, he's a gadget guy. He doesn't really have a place in the NFL. Like, he can't be a legitimate receiver. He's not really a real running back. He can't do all these things. And then you look at these young NFL coaches where they innovate the game. It makes you realize that if you have a good coach, a gadget player is a good thing to have. You look at the Buffalo Bills did it this past year with Isaiah McKenzie. The Packers have been doing it for years with Randall Cobb, even despite his little 
uh, when he left for a bit to go to Dallas and that changed. doesn't matter. The Packers did that. They, they had their gadget guy. The Bills do it. And more teams are adding that into their offense because it's such an important thing to have to have that dynamic playmaker. You've got speed, agility, and playmaking ability with the ball in your hands is what you're looking at. And I mean, everybody knows my guy here is Naquan Wright. Like, like you guys know, I love him. I love his fit in this role. But that doesn't really mean that Billy Napier will see that the same way. That doesn't mean that Billy Napier will view Naquan Wright the same way. Maybe Billy Napier wants Naquan Wright in the backfield a lot more as a pure running back. But we know the speed is there. The agility is there. And uh, the, 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 the dynamic playmaking ability is there. I mean, 77% of his yards last season came after contact. So we know he can make things happen whether or not he's hit. But then there's another running back that we're going to talk about. This is Demarcus Bowman. He's he's that guy where everybody's like, he's a five-star. He was at Clemson. He came back to Florida not because he didn't get playing time at Clemson. He came back to be closer to family, and that's perfectly fine. He's that high-potential back, and he's someone where maybe people would rather see him in the backfield, and that's fine, but I have no problem with playing him in the backfield, at slot, out wide, putting him in motion. I don't care. Get your best playmakers on the field and get them the ball. That's the name of the game for me. I don't know if that's how everybody else views it, but that that's me. I prefer that spread style that does that. We know that DeMarcus Bowman can work as both a runner and a receiver, and the same way that I think Naquan should be that, high, that hybrid running back wide receiver, that offensive weapon that I called Kadarius Toney, Randall Cobb, all those guys, there are people who think DeMarcus Bowman should have that hybrid halfback wide receiver role instead of Naquan Wright, and that's fine with me. I don't care. Maybe Billy Napier views it that way too. You can make the argument for both Demarcus Bowman and Naquan Wright, both running backs in this segment that I'm talking about, that it allows them to get on the field while also playing other running backs. You can get Demarcus Bowman on the field. You can get Naquan Wright on the field while also having Trevor Etienne on the field, while also having Montreal Johnson on the field, while getting these Lorenzo Lingard, whoever you put on the field, Adding a running back as your gadget type gives you a lot more creativity because they can motion into the backfield. They can motion into the opposite slot. They can motion all around the field, and that is so crucial. The final player that we're going to talk about is someone who I know y'all love him. I know. I know you do because I see it in the comments that you guys love this man, and, and I don't know how you wouldn't. Fenley Graham. We know that he can fly. Like, he, he is Fast, fast. <laughs> like when you talk about speed, he, that's Fenley Graham. He, he's, you ever watch cars? He's like, a speed? I am speed. That's Fenley Graham. He, he is that dude. He's been working with the wide receivers this spring. We knew that during the offseason, he said that he wants to work with the receivers, and that's finally happening. He was in high school a ridiculously dynamic returner. He was in high school. So we know he could work in space, we know he could be a big play threat when he gets the ball. And that's important because Fenley Graham, obviously a DB moving to the offensive side of the ball. You don't know how they're going to be contributing on offense. You know, you hear the say the, the phrase all the time of like, or the saying, I guess of saying, you know, receivers, uh, DBs can't catch. That's why they play DB and not receiver. Fenley Graham, we don't know how well he's going to be catching the ball. I haven't seen many issues with him so far. So that's, that's a great thing, but we do know, from watching his his high school tape, watching him in practice, watching him do whatever, he is a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands. And like I said, speed, agility, and playmaking ability with the ball on your hands are the three keys for a gadget player. 
And Fenley Graham is the kind of player where you you can talk about him and say that he is new to the offense. He is. He's new to the offensive side of the ball. And the gadget role might be perfect for you because we don't know how great of a catch, how great of a receiver you're going to be. But we know that you're dynamic with the ball in your hands. We know you're very fast. We know you're agile. We know that you can make those plays. And you can look at someone in the NFL. You can look at Jamal Agnew right now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, formerly with the Detroit Lions. When he came out of college, he was a corner that was just a stellar returner as well. And he was an all-pro kick returner. And he was an all-pro returner in, in the NFL. He was, he was this great guy. And then, you know, he started getting occasional run on offense. He was the occasional gadget guy. They threw screens in, they handed it off to him, and now he's a legitimate receiver in the NFL. And I'm not saying that Fenley Graham will develop the same way and and become an NFL receiver. I'm not saying that, but it's certainly something that teams will look at and what teams will try to find and, and try to just catch lightning in a bottle and that could be Fenley Graham if he gets that gadget role it's a way to get him involved in the offense while he learns how to play receiver but you still get the ball in your hand in the hands of your dynamic playmaker and you let him make those plays we're going to talk to you we're going to flip to basketball now actually that's that's what we're going to do but first I'm going to talk to you guys about Built Bar because it is spring break time I got vacation three months away I don't know what it is with me but the past week I've been eating like an animal but I've got to eat healthier and I got to get fit. So I'm adding Built Bar to my plan. That Built Bar is in my diet now. That is lunch, dog. Like that that's what I'm doing because I got a sweet tooth and it's it's bad. But I, I help curb that with Built Bar. It's coated in 100% chocolate, so it hits my sweet tooth. It's got just four net carbs, so it hits the sweet tooth without having a ton of sugar. 17 grams of protein, and if you're the type of person that cares about calories i'm not 130 calories i care about carbs that's what i care about which is why i love built bar this four net carbs beautiful for me throughout the hidden stash reese's in the desk drawer kit kat in the cupboard twix in the fridge like i had the other day you know it is what it is get built bar so you don't have to sneak around you don't gotta feel bad you don't gotta feel guilty and built bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors so that you will never get bored use promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off of your next order that is locked L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off of your next order with Built or BuiltBar.com. To wrap up today's show, we are talking about our very beloved Colin Castleton. He's someone who I'm fairly certain he's headed to the NBA draft. And I don't, I mean, he did last year and I don't think he'll come back this year, but I'll be honest, you know, last year when he was going to the draft and this year before the season, and even kind of at the start of the season, I was very skeptical about Colin Castleton's NBA future because people would like legitimately like my friends would ask me, Oh, that, like, cause obviously I always talk about Florida. So they'd be like, Oh, like Colin Castleton, like he seems pretty nice. Does he have an NBA future? And I'm like, I don't know. He's a senior that, that already hurts you a bit. So he's a senior. He's, he's not a great shooter. He's just a post dude. He's just a defender, but like, he's great at those, but I don't know if he's got an NBA future. And, you know, last year, of course, declared for the draft alongside Trey Mann and Scotty Lewis, who both of them got drafted. And then he returned to Gainesville after not getting enough NBA interest before the draft. And he came back as just just this different breed. Like, like And I realized that I like to say this as a joke, but like he came back and he was built different. Like he came out making those plays as a post scorer, as a great defender. He had six blocks in multiple games this year. He is a tremendous post scorer who can get it done in multiple ways. And in multiple ways, I mean, you can talk about the drop step. You could talk about the spin move. You could talk about his hook shot. He, he was a 
dominant force in the paint. And that's something that you don't see in college basketball anymore. You don't even see it that often in the NBA anymore. There's not really guys that can just take over the game in the post. And Colin Castleton can kind of be that guy, at least in college. He was that guy. I think in the NBA, obviously, obviously he's going to have um, a little bit of a tougher time with NBA defenses compared to college defenses. But I do think that he could still contribute in the post. And that's something where, you know, we talk about Todd Golden talk about the analytics and we go you know the most efficient shots in basketball are around the rim twos and catch and shoot threes a lot of nba teams are already subscribing to that thought where the mid-range game has pretty much died in the nba unless you're unless you're chris paul or unless you're demar Derozan. mid-range jumpers don't happen you look at around the rim twos and catch and shoot threes and colin kesslin can be that guy he's also a very good offensive rebounder he is an elite elite shot blocker but that's about it when you talk about his skill set. You know, you look at, and I do mean elite shot blocker. I don't even want to say shot blocker. I want to say he's an elite paint defender because even if he's not blocking a shot, he's making you think he might block the shot. He's making you adjust and he's making you figure out something else to do when you have the ball in the paint because he is such a threat to block your shot. You know, he, he's not Rudy Gobert, of course, but he's certainly a very talented defender, especially in the paint. And he's a very good offensive rebounder and I, I specifically say offense because I feel like he's a little uh lackluster at times on defense and he's someone where if you could push him away from the paint then you're gonna have a, a great time because you know he, he's not a great playmaker he's not with the with the ball in his hands he's not great he could do a little bit like like he'll face up sometimes and drive to the basket he could do that but he's not great at getting out of double teams and getting the ball to an open teammate he's not great at creating uh his own shot or other shots, unless he's literally just working in the post. He's not great at that. Little to no jump shooting ability. He's he's a very um, mediocre mid-range jump shooter. He's not a three-point shooter whatsoever. That is not in his game. That's not in his repertoire. And he's openly said, like, hey, that's something I'm trying to get better at. So maybe he will develop. You know, that that, that can happen. Players do develop. You know, you can look at um, who, who DeMarcus Cousins. You look at DeMar- said Demarcus Bowman. You look at Demarcus Cousins. He he was a strict post scorer and defender for much of his for the first part of his career, and then he added in three point jumpers because that's something that people add in. You know, Joel Embiid got significantly better as a three point shooter. I'm not saying Colin Castling can be Joel Embiid, but he he can develop as a shooter. You look at you know he's I I think to me honestly that like the shooting is the issue for me uh not having not being a great shooter not being a great playmaker those are his two biggest negatives but they are two very big negatives to have you look at the grizzlies with mark when they had marcus all and even with steven adams they'll have their center post or not even post up but standing at the top of the key and he's in charge of distributing the ball and that's something colin kesselin doesn't do very often even though he does stay at the top of the key he does not distribute the ball very well not being able to stay to space the floor, I think, is what really kills his stock, though, because I think that a lot of NBA teams will immediately, maybe not take you off the board, but they will knock you down a few pegs in terms of being able to be a player, a consistent player in their lineup, because so much about the modern day NBA is about floor spacing. And if you cannot shoot the basketball, you cannot space the floor. I do think he'll get drafted at some point in the second round. I want to say late first, but at the same time, like, he is older, and that's going to hurt him because so many guys in the NBA are going in at 18, 19 years old. He's been in college for four years. So that's that's certainly going to be uh, a downside for him. But 
I, look, all I'm going to say, and I love this player that I'm about to say, but I, I, will, I will say this. If Kevon Looney can be a starting big man in the NBA, I think Colin Castleton can at the very least be on an NBA roster and make it on an NBA roster. I think that's something that people are kind of overlooking where if there, there's not a ton of big man talent in the NBA right now, but Colin Castleton deserves to be there. He can come in immediately off the bench and contribute. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back Monday with more. And well, well, tomorrow's Friday. Wow. We'll be back tomorrow with more on your Florida Gators. Now make your second listen Lockdown NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work with Whole9Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. And I will see you all tomorrow.